uh i i i it's been in my heart it's been in my heart um for a for, for a long time now since we started this church to really share and show all of us as a church family what it looks like for us to be part of a kingdom that is not of this world we know jesus said that my kingdom is not of this world and so how does his kingdom behave if it is not of this world it is a kingdom of God, it is a kingdom of heavenly values and it behaves differently. And one of the things uh, uh, that we were inadvertently going to run into is how different kingdoms go about growing. So today I want to share with you guys a word on how the kingdom of God grows and grows. And for that, I'm going to bring you into two very short parables similar to last week, two very short parables. But first, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the text and we're going to pray and we're going to get into it. Let's look at the two parables from Matthew chapter 13. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when grown, it is taller than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the sky come and nest in its branches. And the next verse says this, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and mixed into 50 pounds of flour until all of it was leavened. And it just stops there, right? These two, it's literally... Uh, two more parables, three sentences long between the two of them. It's very, very much like last week when we looked at how the kingdom of God uh, um, has a certain value and you have eyes to see and recognize its true value. You would trade the whole world for it. Today, we're looking at a different aspect of the kingdom of God, how it grows. And so I want to show you three things from these two parables. Three very simple things. Number one, the kingdom of God starts small. Everybody say start small. Number two, the kingdom of God grows and grows. Grows and grows. And number three, when it's grown and grown, it shelters many people. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just want to bring today before you. Bring today before you so that today is your today is your day, the day of resurrection. That's why we celebrate today on Sunday. That's why the even our calendars change from, 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 from uh, resting on Shabbat uh, to resting, uh, to, to celebrating on Sunday. So Father, we pray that today as we come together, we can come together in a way that our lenses are seeing through the lens of Jesus Christ, the lens of our risen Savior, that you are indeed our risen hope. And Lord, we do not have to gain ground in this world in the ways that we have been taught. We can gain ground in this world through the ways of Christ, through the ways of meekness, and because the meek shall inherit the earth. So Father, teach us, teach us. I just want to bring before you every presupposition in our heart, Lord God. Every presupposition 
uh, a way of the world that we have been taught, bring it before you and allow you to just gently knock cracks into them. Because today, church, I believe the Lord wants to do the work, the ministry work of a hammer and a scalpel. It is not mine. I heard it from someone else, but I love it. That God wants to do the ministering work of a hammer and a scalpel. He will hammer and, uh, and chisel and break down all the hard bits inside of us. Then that includes the parts of our thinking that have been that have been uh, concretized and become so natural to the way we think. And, and But it's the ways of the world. He wants to hammer that and crack it and break it open. And then he does. The, chis the, the, the work of the scalpel like a master surgeon he goes in there to the beating heart of flesh and he cuts out every cancerous idea, every cancerous uh, philosophy, every cancerous worldview, every cancerous uh, uh, way of thinking or way of feeling that sets itself up against the ways of Christ and he carefully perfectly lay scalpel to it. So Father, I pray that today you will do that in our hearts and work deeply in us. We love the church. We, 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 we really, really love the church and we want the church to win. We want the church to succeed. But Lord, if you're telling us the church will win in a certain way and not by other means, Lord, today we submit. Lord, today we want to grow in that way, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's, let's look at the parables again. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. By the way, if you ever see uh, uh, Luke and Matthew and Mark and, and even John, I don't think John mentions the kingdom of God much. But if you see Luke and Mark uh, use kingdom of God and Matthew use kingdom of heaven and you're wondering whether they are the same thing, they are. Matthew wrote predominantly to a Jewish community and so he, and they're a little bit, I don't know, we have our Chinese New Year pantangs, they are, they are a little bit careful about using the word God, the name of God. So, so Matthew, very culturally sensitive, uh, uses the expression, the kingdom of heaven. They are interchangeable, okay? So the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest. Now, he goes to the extent of he, he, he's intentionally drawing attention to the size of the seed. Because this is not the par he tells other parables where he doesn't mention the size of the seed. He tells parables about that, that talks about the nature of the ground, for example, and we'll get to that later in the year, right? He tells parables uh, uh, about, about the nature of how the different seeds grow together, and that we'll cover later in the year too. But in this particular agricultural parable, and he tells many agricultural parables, in this particular one, he draws attention to the size of the seed. Now, one more, by the way, I've quite a few by the ways today. Okay, so I, I think it's good that we, we, as we look into the word, we also grow in our Bible literacy. And not just literacy in terms of knowing what the word says, but knowing how to approach the word. Sometimes we approach the word thinking that the Bible is like an encyclopedia and the Bible is like a fact book okay, or a textbook about every field in human experience. And so you see people going into the Bible, reading parts of the prophets, reading parts of the Psalms, and in this case, even reading a parable of Jesus and expecting it to teach us 
scientific truth. But Jesus was not telling the parable of the mustard seed to teach botany. So when he says that, that the kingdom, of, I've literally heard this before, that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's the smallest of all the seeds. And then a critic of the Christian faith comes and says, Jesus is wrong because our, our knowledge of, of, uh, of, of plant life uh, shows us, and today we know that the mustard seed is not the smallest of all seeds, not even by far. There are seeds that are way smaller than mustard seed. Obviously, Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about. So much for being king of kings, so much for being omniscient, can't be true. Bible is falsified, or even if not falsified, questionable, right? And then, and so, church, when you approach your Bibles, know that your Bibles, it, your Bible was not written to teach you to teach you specifically scientific facts like this. So how do you work around this, guys? Jesus's crowd, his his immediate audience, don't know of any seed smaller than the mustard seed. So Jesus's point is he's teaching them about the kingdom of God. He is using examples that make sense to them. First century Palestinian land, you know, in Israel, in Judah, Ju Judah land, you know, he's using metaphors that make sense to them. He's not there to teach them about seeds. He's there to teach them about the way the kingdom grows. And so don't get hung up by this. Don't get tripped over by this because frankly, I've seen people get tripped over by this and it's such, it's such a waste. It's such a waste to be tripped over by something like this because the point is not the metaphor. The point is the actual thing. The sign points to the signified and the signified is the one we want to get into today. It is the kingdom of God and how it grows. It starts off small. That's the point. It starts off small. My friends, Jesus is not afraid to start things small. Our God is a God of starting things small. If you turn over to, to Genesis chapter 1, you will see that he starts things with creating the entire ecosystem and then putting one man. Then into, with one man, one man and that one woman. And then he says, through you, multiply, be fruitful. And then... Things happen, and in Genesis chapter 12, he restarts the journey of calling people unto him with one man, his one wife, and his very small tribe. No children at that point, just servants. And he does that with Abraham. He starts things small, even with us, even with us as an SIB church existing in Malaysia. He started it with three missionaries. Three missionaries from different denominations, some of them with, uh, who, who are purely Australian, some of them who have background in, 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 in Scotland and in England. And he just brought the, put a seed inside them and told them, I want you to go to Borneo. And many people didn't even know what Borneo was. And Hudson Southwell, one of the three, used to walk around with a rolled up map of Borneo. No one really knew where Borneo was. And they came to our shores. And they did not despise small beginnings. They knew that if they were prepared to begin small, the way Jesus always asked us to begin things, humbly, small, 
so that God can add his work for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Because when we begin a small thing, God has something. He has material. He has source content. He has got raw stuff to work with. If we don't begin anything, we don't have anything to bring before the Lord to let him in. And we don't have anything to bring into what he's already currently doing. Church, do not despise these small beginnings. And so three missionaries went into the jungles, went on, traveled on rivers, snaked around jungles and, and had to cut through a, a, a malaria-infested tropical forest. And they got sick. They saw people get sick. They ministered one, one kampong after another, not even kampong, one person after another, one here after another. And, and they would unroll that map and pray and pray. And for years, they saw not even one salvation, not even one salvation. And they kept on because they knew the Lord had called and they, were, they did not despise small beginnings. And so they kept going on. And then very quickly, actually, you know what? I shouldn't say that. This is an expression we've gotten accustomed to. It wasn't even very quickly. Bit by bit, year on year, one more disciple, one more disciple, one more believer, and it hit a point where it did, it did grow. A kampong, whole kampong saved. Another whole, most of the kampong saved. And as they went about it, more and more kampongs got saved. And by the 1940s, 50s, there was already a, 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 a local church to speak of. I will jump back into that part of our, our SIB history, maybe a little later in the 1940s, when there was already a church out there. But it was around this, it was around the 1990s, 1990s now, I'm just going to cut you forward, many years. The Pastor Chu found another two people. He found a doctor and his doctor wife, or a doctor and her doctor husband, right? However you want to see it. And he found them somewhere in Sabah, brought them to, 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 to Canada to get their, 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 their seminary studies, brought them back to KL. And founded in 1994, a church called SIBKL. And we began with 15 people in 1994. I don't know if the next slide, what is the next slide? Yeah, SIBKL began life as a church in 1994. Where was its maiden service held? Is it E? Bangunan <laughs> Yin? Is it F, SMCC? Or is it A, B, C, or D? A, Pastor Chu and Pastor Licho's living room. Yeah, guess, huh? Your guess, you can go, go to the Zoom chat. Give me your answer now. B, shop lot in Uptown Damansara. C, shop lot in Kapong. D, KDU Lechao. Come on, guys. B, B, all those who say B, raise your hands. Wow, we've got a bunch of Bs here. How many of your B? Raise your hands, yeah? Okay, let's see. Let's see what the chat's saying. Uh, chat is saying Bs and As. B's and A's, wow. How many of you think it's A? Any A's here to agree with them? Two, two. How many of you think it's in shop like Kapong? Yeah, two, one, one, one and a half. No, no, bias regret. No, no, uh, lecture hall. How many of you think it's lecture hall? We began as 15 people. And the first service was 
in a borrowed on a Sunday where no classes are happening lecture hall in KDU. Y'all didn't know this, right? Y'all didn't know this. 15 people borrowed a lecture hall in KDU, okay? And KDU is a uh, uh, college, Damansara Otama, yeah. Um, and they ran a service there. And then after, I don't know how many times, because uh, all the uncle and auntie, when they tell story, they're not precise one, okay? It's many years ago, so I also understand, right? And they're saying that. Yeah, and then uh, after a while, uh, we moved to a shop lot in Kapong. I was like, oh, really? We, we, really? We were in Kapong? SIB Kapong? <laughs> like, no, no, yeah, we were in we, we were in Kapong for a short while. It's like, it's like I'm not sure if it was a short while or a house. It may even have been a house, okay? And then we, and then we rented another unit a few doors down on the same road, and that's where the kids were. So the kids were in one place. I'm not sure if it was rented or borrowed, okay? But we were in a shop lot or a house in Kapong, and then down the street, the kids were there, and then the parents who, who were looking after the children's church would have to walk with them up the road to join back with the main church. I remember that story because one of the original 15 Punya auntie told me that story. And then from there, we moved to the shop lot in Uptown Damansara, which was our first permanent church building. And so if you hear SIBKL folklore, and you if you hear about our buildings, the stories of our buildings, and it always traces back to Uptown, and that's it, you know, um, it's because before that we were we were getting up when the when the cloud moves, we move when the tabernacle uh, cloud moves, the tabernacle has to pack up and we move wherever we go. And so KDU Lecture Hall was not a permanent venue. The one in Kapong was not a permanent venue, and then we settled into Uptown. But that's the day of small beginnings. We don't wait until we've got like, like you know, big grand whatever, you know, and like, like the best or whatever. I mean, we don't wait for that, right? If, you, if we, we, want, we, we want to follow the cloud. If the cloud says, get up and go now, we get up and go now. And we don't despise it even if the beginning is humble and small and simple. And so if you know, if you were with us yesterday, uh, we had our dominate altar. Our Sungai Bulo Church, and I always, because I know some of these stories, I know our Sungai Bulo Church was always have to begin in the same way. And so long before we could even have a building like this, in January of 2020, uh, we start, am I mixing it up? It's, it's 20, it's 2020, 2020, yeah. The pandemic has messed up my, my timelines. January of 2020, Pastor Ramesh and I gathered a few, you know, and we and we gathered in a little room in in. Bangunan Yin, fourth floor, cafeteria, mezzanine, and there's a little media room that I managed to score for one evening. Pastor Ramesh, remember that night? Pastor Ramesh remembers that night. We gathered, a few of us, and we said, we're going to pray. And this is this is like our first, our, our first, we didn't even have the name Dominate, our first prayer altar for Sungai Bulo. And we prayed there. And then after that, the next week or the next week or week after that, we moved to the third floor and we got one of the one of the meeting rooms and we prayed there again. Pastor Ramesh is nodding; he remembers it exactly. And we prayed there again. And then after that, um, the pandemic hit right in in March. So we all started to have our order. The church was alive. The church had started. You ask me when did Sungai Bulo Church start? I say January 2020 because we gathered and started praying. And if you ask me, if you ever hear me say July, you always hear me say our service started in July, right? Why? Because we do not despise the day of small beginnings. We do not scrub out the, the parts of our beginning. There was just like four or five people sitting in one small room in the mezzanine of a mezzanine, you know, uh, praying together. This is the day 
of this is what it means for God to grow something. I can tell you this as your lead pastor here in Singapore, my commitment is to lead you into the way God has always biblically shown us how he wants to grow things. From one man, he grew a nation. From three missionaries, he grew a movement in Malaysia. From two, from a husband and wife, he grew a church that has that has that's blessed the nation so much. This is how it this is how kingdom grows from small to big. Let's look at the next slide. God grows things, starting small, but it grows. You see, that's the best part. He doesn't just start small. Our God is a God who loves to grow things. He doesn't just start things. He grows things, right? So whatever he starts, he is committed to seeing it multiply. And we know this because when you go back to the words in Genesis chapter 1, he says to the man and the woman, be fruitful and multiply. Go, grow. In fact, I think be fruitful and multiply is the Genesis 2 account of the creation. He says, be fruitful and multiply. And then many years later, he would say again uh, to all of us in John chapter 15, remain in me and I in you. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you will bear much fruit. You will grow. There will be reproduction. There will be growth. There will be multiplication. And he says this at the start of John chapter 15. I didn't put it on the slides. I'm freestyling a little. John 15 verse 1 says, I am the, I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. Any branch in me that does not bear fruit, in other words, any branch in me that has not shown to be capable of growth, the gardener comes, the father comes, cuts it off and throws it into the fire. But any branch in me that does bear fruit, he prunes. Now both go through the scissoring work. But the first group go through a scissoring that is that, that, that weeds them out. But the second group goes through a scissoring that causes them to flourish even further. My friends, we will continue to say, the, John 15 is almost like a, like, 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 a, like, a, like a train station where all the interchanges happen and you're going to keep coming back from one parable into John 15 and then from there you're going to swing out somewhere else. You're going to come from this part of the Bible into John 15, you're going to swing back out into somewhere else. We're just one of those central parts of scripture where a lot of trajectories will come in and out of and meet, okay? So I want you to think of your Bibles that way. So John 15 is like that, my friends. Fruitfulness is something that we are called to, but I don't want you to feel stressed out, so you should be able to like heave a sigh of relief. God does not expect you to bear fruit on your own. He says, remain in me and I in you, and then you will bear fruit. So God is in charge of the growth, but we are in charge of not hampering the growth. We are in charge of not hindering the growth. And how do we sometimes hinder that growth? By thinking that we are the ones who are responsible for the growth, and then we go and count in the growth by ourselves. We go and grow it our own way, and the way we do it ends up looking like the way of the world. And Jesus has to remind us every, every Good Friday, 
My kingdom is not of this world. Don't grow kingdom your way. Grow kingdom my way. I don't know how to grow kingdom your way. I'm me. I do me. You do you. Then don't get in the way. Don't get in the way. Step aside. Let God grow. But you know, it's so painful, so hard to step aside because we need to actually... That's why I prayed earlier that God will do a ministry of the hammer. He needs to, he needs to slowly chip, hack, 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 crack some of our worldview, some of our thinking, some of our legacy ways of how growth works. So let's go into the text again. Let's look at the two parables. When grown, the mustard seed planted, so small, but when it grows, it grows, it becomes tall. The leaven, Leaven is some kind of some kind of substance is usually yeast, right? That you put into, into your dough and it causes the, 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 whole, the whole dough to rise. If you're a baking person, you know this, right? If you're not a baking person, you're a Bible reading person, you know this. You mix a leaven, a yeast into, into, the, into the dough and the whole thing, given time and humidity and heat and whatever, the right environmental factors, it foofs up. Right, and then it looks nice, and when you bake it, it actually, it actually has, has, you know, it's airy. It's not like dense, and you can't eat that, right? Or you, you can, but it's, it's just different. God is in the business of growing things. Why? Because He who began a good work, He who began a good work, who works with small beginnings, will bring it to completion. Next, next slide. Right? He He brings it to completion in the day of Christ. That is to say that when God begins something, He He sees the day of Christ as the end, as the end point. Right? I've given Philippians one six to you here in a in a in, in a succinct form, but go back and read the whole passage. He brings it to completion in the day of the Lord. So the day of the Lord, His final coming will be the final consummation, and that is when the finished product becomes a, the 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 work in progress becomes a finished product but along the way along the way we are we are we are being completed day by day we are being worked on i saw i saw one of our brothers uh james Chu, jump into our call uh james is one of our brothers he's been with sib for many years in fact if you know cp tower days he was he was there leading uh college and uh uh, uh and uh, he, he was one of the leads with together with cc right and they have a cell name their cell name was wip work in progress right and uh and they just multiplied a couple of weeks ago if i'm not mistaken and the new multiplied cell name is otw on the way, right? And I told James over text, I love your cell name. James, I love your cell name. I still love it. I still want to tell people about your cell names. Why? Because, because his both, both of those cell names speak of the reality of Philippians 1.6, that he who began a good work is in the process, is in the work in progress, is on the way of bringing it to completion. And so, my friends, you don't have to feel pressured that you need to show up the ready-made product. You don't have to show up, you know, um, uh, uh, already so loving, already so joyful, and so peaceful, and so patient, and so kind, and so good, and so faithful, and so gentle, and have so much self-control. God is creating, birthing, working on the fruit of the Spirit in you. He's growing you day by day. And sometimes we feel, Ayo, I so chialat, there's no way I'm going to church. 
because I'm not ready to go to church. Bro, you'll never be ready to come to church. You want to see some of these people here? You want to see some of these people here? Everybody here is, uh, is, is in the work, is in the process. And if you if you saw my, if I peeled off my veneer and you saw the insights, you'd be like, oh my gosh, Pastor Fuck is not ready to even go to church, much, much less lead a church. Oh, we're doomed. We're doomed. And then cry emoji, right? That, if, if, you, if, if you and I were prepared to just unmask, and be honest about what a wreck we are sometimes <laughs> on Sunday afternoon after church, we will realize the reality, but God is in that reality. And God is not in the fickery. That's why I, I, you're gonna, I hope you always see, have a pastor for guys who's quite honest to, to, be, to unmask and be like, you know, quite jialat before you guys. And I trust you guys, right? And I trust, to, I trust you guys to know that, that there is no alternative. There's no alternative. The alternative is the way of putting up a show. But I don't push. I, I, I don't present myself like I'm so all right to y'all. I don't, right? God is in the reality. And so I'm not complete. Far from it. I've got a lot of work. There's a lot of work God's going to do in me and in you and in y'all. But he who began a good work is in the process of growing it. So, so I, I just want to help us to angle our thoughts today. There will be a day where we come together and we talk about growing the church numerically. There will be a day when we come together and talk about growing the church in terms of its actual reach. But I don't want us to start talking about growth in terms of numbers. In SIBKL, we have a way of thinking. It's not just a saying, it's a way of thinking. Big is not strong. Y'all know this. Y'all know this. Online, if you know this, say, type it out. And if y'all know this, say it with me. Number one, big is not strong. Small is not strong. Strong is strong. Big is not strong. You can be big, big and weak. You can be big and, 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 and bloated. You can be small and weak. You can be small and wimpy. Big is not sm strong. Small is not strong. Strong is strong. Where do you find strength? Strength is in the seed. Strength is in the seed and the one who sowed it into the ground. And strength is in the seed and the one who sowed it into the ground and the condition of the ground to, con to be a steward of that seed. And then the seed grows. And that's what we are interested in. So today, I want us to think of growth in terms of your qualitative growth. Let's start there. It's a better place to start. It's a much safer place to start. Think of how you want to grow. My friends, are you impatient? I'm quite impatient. I've told you all before, I'm at my most impatient at the dining table, you know, when messy eating and unfocused eating takes place, right? It's, it, it's a, it's a, it's, the, the kingdom of parents uh, um, is like a messy dining table, right? Uh, there's a parable there somewhere. And I go bonkers. I'm so impatient. And, and recently, I actually prayed and said, God, I want to grow to be more patient. Uh, just help me be more patient. And I know the moment you pray that prayer, some real, some, some, some milk is going to spill, uh, some, something is going to happen, uh, you know. So, so that's normal. Or, or, or something else, right? Something is going to happen at work. Something is going to happen in, in, your, in, your, in your house. Something is going to leak. There's going to be something, uh, you know, when you pray and ask God, I want to be more patient. He's going to bring something to test that patience. And so he did. On one day, something happened. 
won't tell you what. And I was just about to like flare up and just go crazy. And then I remember God say, Fergus, remember you prayed that? Pray that again. Just pray it again. Just pray it right now. And I say, God, help me be patient. God, help me be patient. And you know what? You know how much patience I had? So little. So little. My fingers aren't even parted. That's how little, right? It's so little uh, uh, patience. But you know what? That was enough for that moment. For that moment, I kais pagi, I swap pagi. That was enough for me to survive that 30 seconds of impatience. And then he redelkan my hati, okay? And he said, Fergus, you cool off, right? You okay? Yes, Lord, I'm okay. I think I'm okay. He said, you're okay. Because I, and he didn't say exactly these words, but when I think about it in hindsight now, it's as if he was saying, I began a good work. I've begun a good work in you. It's a small thing. It looks insignificant. You're not the most patient guy in the world. I know. But I've begun a good work in this small thing and I'm bringing it to completion. And so you just survive this thing, this leak, this spill, this thing, this, that thing. Survive that, get through it and you will see the bearing of much fruit in the days to come. So I want to encourage you. Don't beat yourself up over small beginnings. God is growing something. Let him grow. Get out of the way. Let him grow the, let, let him grow the way he wants to grow. Next slide. Parable of the sower. As for what was sown in good soil, this is the one who hears the word. So church, you're hearing the word right now. Hear the word. Understand it and you will bear fruit. You will yield. In one case, 100, another 60, in another 30. God is always interested in the multiplication but don't think of this as multiplication first right in terms of our numbers but don't you want a hundredfold of patience don't you want a hundredfold of joy and peace don't you want a hundredfold of self-control oh i do want a hundred hundredfold of self-control so if you do then remain in him now i want to show you and distinguish for you how the world grows kingdom and how God grows kingdom. I told you just now about the three missionaries and how they grew a native church. They took a year plus, plus to translate the, the gospel of Matthew into the language of the Murat people. And meanwhile, another guy was translating the gospel of Luke into the language of the Kalabit people. Frank Davidson worked with the Kalabits, right? Hudson Southwell worked with the Murat people. Such small beginning, what? Only the gospel. Hey, hello. Translation very slow on you, very long on you. Know. And you start small. You start with one chapter. You start with one verse. Then you move into a chapter. Then you move into a few chapters. And then you give it to them ready. And then you work on more chapters. Then you give it to them. They were rushing to complete the translation of the Matthew uh, for the Murok people as the Japanese invaded the shores of Sarawak. And as they were jumping from one part, one hiding place in the kampong to another, and the Japanese soldiers were rumored to be here and there and there and chasing them, they were making stops and translating the Gospel of Matthew and giving the last parchments away to the disciples before they knew they had to surrender. And they surrendered eventually. And they and don't worry about the kids, yeah, guys, yeah. Uh, if, you, if you're online, we are family church. Okay, so if you hear the kids, it's normal. It's part of, it's part of our church, part of a, being a family church. And I'm 1 million percent cool with it. In fact, I love the sound of kids. It's the sound of life. It's the sound of the next generation, you know, in our midst. So that's cool, yeah? They were traveling 
and translating and giving their little scraps of translation out bit by bit by bit until eventually they had to surrender because if not, they would be caught and killed. And they surrendered to the Japanese soldiers and they were all gathered, brought to Kuching and put in, in, a, in, a, in an army camp, right? In a prisoner of war camp, something like that. And in that place, they started to, what? Uh, uh, find ways to, 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 to heal the sick, pray for those who were who, who are dying, and, and, they, and they, they, they managed to find ways to, to, to improvise some little bit of technology so that they could hear what was happening outside in the world, like transistor radios and like repairing it and, and hacking it. You know, they cared for the people. They smuggled food uh, uh, in through the fences so that the sick people could get eggs. The sick people could get, you know how they wrap eggs, not? I told y'all before, right? How do you wrap eggs? How do you wrap eggs? They put the eggs inside the bulo, okay? That they used to hang clothes. And so they put the, the eggs inside the bamboo so it's hidden and then they bring that in and then they release the eggs. Hopefully don't crack, right? And then so that the people who are dying and sick could eat, right? That's how the kingdom of God grows. It grows by loving people in small practical ways. And meanwhile, this is the contrast I want to show you. Meanwhile, there was a kingdom of the world encircling them. In this case, it was the invasion of Japan on Malaya and in Sarawak and in Sabah, British North Borneo, in the 1940s. And we saw one picture of the kingdoms of this world. And how did that empire intend to grow? It's how all empires of this world intend to grow. You might find variances a little bit here and there. But by and large, they all play by similar rules, similar rules of engagement, similar patterns will emerge through domination, through fear, through control, through force, through violence, through making you feel scared, through making you feel like, like you're afraid of dying, afraid of, of, of being punished. That's how the kingdom of, God, of the world grows. Name me one kingdom that has not armed itself to the teeth so that nobody dares to attack it. My kids were asking me yesterday about the nuclear bomb because long ago we, we, we talked about, about Hiroshima and so they remembered it over some conversation we had and then they asked me about the bomb and, and, and we were talking about the reality of arming yourself to the teeth because one of them asked me, why, why do people create nuclear bombs? It just dis destroys each other. And I asked them, if you had a nuclear bomb that was so powerful, nobody would dare to. And then the child completed the sentence, attack me. I was like, that's right. And that's how the world thinks. That's the way of the world. That's how the kingdom of God, the, the kingdom of the world grows. It keeps on strengthening itself through fear, through, 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 through means that. Now, you contrast it to the way the, the God's kingdom grows. God's kingdom grows by being small. What, who inherits the earth? Who inherits the earth? Type it in the chat. The meek inherit the earth. By the way, meek does not mean naive. Meek does not mean naive. There, there is a nuance to the Greek word for meek. It does not mean, mean like so quiet and mousy that anybody can bully you. 
That's not meek. That's, that's naive and, and weak. Meek is not weak. My favorite definition or expression to describe meek is, you know how to use a sword, but you keep it sheathed. That's meek. You know how to use a sword, but you keep it sheathed. You don't simply carry your power around and wield it with no self-control. You have, you, you're strong, but you keep it under control. That's meek. And you don't keep paying back, paying back uh, just as you like. That's meek. That's how God's kingdom grows. It grows and it grows. And the meek shall one day... How, how, is the, how are the meek going to inherit the earth if it does not multiply and become infectious? That meekness starts to, to, to become attractive and that many people will be meek and they'll be won over to the ways of Christ, not the ways of this world. And, 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 and empire after empire after empire. Once it was the Romans, then it was the British Empire, which in Sarawak itself was supplanted by, by the Japanese because the Brooks had to leave and the Japanese came in. And after that is many other kind of cultural empires. And, and on and on it will go. And one will supplant another and another will supplant yet an, another one. And the kingdom of God continues to endure and endure. Why? Because it doesn't play by the same rules. And so if you want to grow something, my friends, you, you can grow it the hard way, the crushing way, the brutal way, and you will get response. You will get a reaction. I guarantee you, you'll get a reaction because the kingdom of this world always gets an immediate reaction. That's why it seems and appears to constantly pay off. And you will get a reaction. It just won't last. There is no lasting fruit. It will last for one generation too. And how, however many more, I won't promise you because we've seen some earthly kingdoms last pretty long. But in the end, they still fade away. The Roman Empire faded away. The Greeks before them faded away. And every empire continues to fade away. Why? Because every time you grow something through force and fear and punishment and, and, and by causing people to obey out of a, a compulsion, it is a fruit that has no root in eternal things. So the kingdom of God grows. Next slide. This is another, by the way, do I have time for this? It's important. Another Bible literacy problem, right? That we sometimes, how many, go back to the previous slide. Go back to the previous slide. How many of y'all are aware of the Bible verse that says, um, uh, kingdom of God is like, no, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can just tell this mountain to move, right? How many of y'all know this, right? Y'all know this? If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, tell this mountain to move and it'll move. Uh, or tell this mulberry tree to be thrown and it'll be thrown, right? I'm going to say it one more time, huh? See, y'all catch it. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, tell this mountain to move and it will move. Be moved. Have y'all heard this verse before? Right? Some raising your hands, many nodding. That verse does not exist in the Bible. It doesn't read that way. That verse is confused with this parable of the, of the, of the mustard seed and the yeast, which emphasizes the smallness. Let's look at the text. Matthew 17 and Luke 17. Very easy to remember. If I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move and you will move. Like a grain of mustard seed. Luke 17 says, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree, be moved and you'll be moved. Why is it that we've confused 
these two and somehow faith as small as a mustard seed mountain and must mulberry tree be moved we we have we have it was mind blowing for me the first time i saw this and i helping i'm helping you all see this for the first time because these matthew 17 and luke 17 have been mixed up together in our jumbled up memories of matthew 13 it's the smallest of seeds but he says it's the smallest of seeds in 13 to speak about growth small beginnings and growth I would like to posit to you that God is not saying that you need to have small seed, small faith. Because earlier he says, oh, you of little faith. Now, I know some of you are really right on the edge of your seat. You're like, oh my goodness, Fergus is heresying Harris right now. Yeah, heresy. Like, H.O. Bible verse that I've been taught by generations is being... Yeah, you're doing some small redefinitions, which is messing with me. Let me help you see what this text could mean. If you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, has potential to mean not just small. But I believe what he's saying is, if you have faith that starts small, but grows like a mustard seed, and then grows like a mustard seed, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows, until the faith is enlarged. That's why Jesus said, Oh, you of little faith. Do you not know that little faith can grow? Do you not know that I can take this little faith and cause it to grow? Do you not see that in my kingdom, small things can multiply into big things so that one with faith that can grow like a mustard seed can say to the mountain, be moved, and then it will be moved. And if you're still not really sure, I want to check in on your own reality. How many of y'all have actually questioned the reality of this verse because you have had mustard seed faith, small seed, small seed faith, and you've stood before mountains and you've asked those mountains to move and they didn't move. And you just put it in the top shelf and you say, I don't want to deal with this because it's going to crack something fundamental in me and I don't dare to crack fundamental things. And you've not dealt with it. You've prayed for something before and you, you, and you said, God promised me all I need is tiny faith, tiny faith, and the mountain will move. And I don't have much, but God promised me if I have tiny faith, mountain will move. And I had tiny faith. I wouldn't even brag about my faith. I had a little bit of faith only. And the mountain didn't move. And I'm, and I'm not sure if I can trust God. And I'm not sure if I dare to trust God. I'm not sure if he means what he says because he said it and it didn't work. It didn't happen for me. And I don't want to deal with it. And I've not dealt with it for years. If that is you, I want you to know maybe it's because Matthew 17 and Luke 17 did not say faith as small as a mustard seed. It said faith like a mustard seed. Faith that behaves like mustard seeds. Faith that 
act in a way that mustard seed acts. That the behavior, the characteristics of a mustard seed are analogous to the characteristics of your faith. If your faith can behave and look and act and be like the way mustard seeds are. And that means you plant that little bit of faith and that faith starts to take root and then that faith starts to take, starts to bear shoots and then that faith starts to grow and then that faith grows even more and that faith keeps being in an ecosystem of health and then that faith grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. And then you can stand before a mountain one day and God will move that mountain because he started out with all you of little faith but you didn't stop there. Grow your faith. How are you going to grow your faith through relationship? I'm telling you, I have faith in my wife and she has faith in me because we spend time together. I have faith in my children and my children have faith in me that I won't break faith with them because we spend time together. And if I don't spend time together, they won't know what their father is like. They won't know if their father will walk out on them one day. That they have faith that I will not walk out on them because I've, I've been telling them from the first day they were born, because you're mine, I walk the line. I'm going to be here with you. I'm going to be here with you all the way. And because we spend time together, do you spend time with God? I need to spend more time with God. My own faith is at this brittle point. Some days I don't know if I'm going to crack. I need to spend more time with God. All of us need to spend more time. Where, however much time you're spending with God, if you think about it, maybe you're okay. But maybe if you think about it, maybe you need to just hunker down a bit more. And this coming week, make more time to spend with God. And what does make time to spend with God mean? What does it mean? All so churchy. Journey with God. Spend time with God. Quiet time. It's all so churchy. Come on, Fergus, get real. Can I suggest you go to God honestly in prayer and lay it all down, man. Just go before Him in prayer and lay all your cards down in as unvarnished a way as possible. Take that as your step one to spending more time with God. Don't go and like do some, some prayer things, some intercession thing. Like don't start that. You'll get that. He will begin a good work. will bring it to somewhere else. But start by going to God and laying everything down and being brutally honest with Him and telling God, you see me. You saw me anyway. Here's all my cards. And I'm disappointed with this. I'm sad about that. I'm bruised about this. And over this particular thing, I've grieved, grieved to the point of death. And if you can lay all that down, you're started. And he who began that good work will start. And if you can just take week, week, last week of January to do that before God, that is a day of small beginnings and a beginning of a growing of your faith, of trust in him that can take you somewhere. February might be different, will be different if you can start like that in January. Next slide. He starts small, he grows and grows. And when you're fully grown, once you're fully grown, you will, it will be a shelter to many. He doesn't grow you for the sake of your pride. He doesn't grow you for the sake of your stardom. He doesn't grow you for the sake of people's adoration of you that, wow, you are so wise. Wow, you are so, you're out of your mouth comes words of glory and wisdom. Like, you know what? I actually think it may not have been the best thing for Solomon to have the Queen of Sheba come and mengalu-alukan how wise he was. I think that does something to a man. Because that guy, he had qualitative growth. He was wise beyond 
all measure, he had quantitative territorial uh, monetary growth. And somewhere along the line, we see a man who grew so big, he grew bigger than God in his own eyes. And he thought he could do things his way. And in spite of all the head knowledge, it just didn't click. But the growth is not for the, for, 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 for the celebration of men over men. Celebration of women over women. It's not. Growth is for the sheltering of many people. I, I, if, you, if you were a Christian in the uh, mid-2000s, early 2000s, there was a little book that became so popular. It was called The Prayer of Jabez. I'm going to show this to you in a while. Let's click the next slide. It grows. Many, when you grow, the birds will come and nest. Let's see the next slide. Prayer of Jabez. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. This is First Chronicles 4. His mother named him Jabez because Jabez, because Jabez means pain, right? I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you will bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. And this one prayer became a little book and it sold tens of thousands. I was in a, in, in a little discipling group that prayed through and studied through the prayer of Jabez at one point in my walk in church. You know what? Can I be honest with you? Jabez is entitled to pray this prayer. But now that we are in the kingdom, the prayer of Jabez has to pass through the filter of the life of Jesus Christ, the death of Jesus Christ, the pain of Jesus Christ, the sufferings of the cross, and come out through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Come out through the atoning work and the enthroning work of King Jesus. And now the prayer of Jabez makes sense to kingdom of Jesus people. Oh, that you would bless Jesus Enlarge the territory of the kingdom of God. And let the hand of the Father be with the hand of the Son. And when you read the next part, you remember Gethsemane. Keep me from harm, said Jesus. May this cup pass from me, said Jesus. And the Father was silent. And he said, no. In other words, no. This, part, this cup shall not pass from you. You shall not be free from pain. Through pain, you will inherit the kingdom. Through bloodshed, of your own bloodshed, not your enemy's bloodshed. This is how the kingdom of God is reversed. Through your own bloodshed, shall many come to life. But don't you see, that is how your territory will be enlarged. Don't you see that that is how your name will be blessed. And now the prayer of Jabez makes perfect sense. It's a proto-kingdom prayer. But you cannot pray this prayer for yourself. You have to pray this prayer for the kingdom of God. You have to pray this prayer for His work. And if you're participating in that kingdom, then the second half, which says that there will be harm, there will be pain, but it will not cause you to die, is the door that, that you have to access to, before you, the, Lord will, the Lord's blessing will be upon you, before the territory expansion will become part of your reality. That's where God is in the reality. He's not in the fakery. And that's why if you're just praying the prayer of Jabez in a, in, in a prosperity gospel way, you're not praying it through the kingdom of God. 
And that's why God came to inaugurate a new way of living. This is not our way of living. This is the way of living before we came across a king who would die so that others will live. But now that we have seen, Jabez didn't see it. But now that we have seen, we can't live in the old ways anymore. We can't grow things the way of the world anymore. And so my friends, the day is going to come when we are going to be called beyond the walls of Desara Central. And outside the walls of Desara Central looks like this. Next slide. It looks like this. That's right there. Right there is the escalator going down right here to where we are. If you're online, you've never been here. And if you can go out, get an e-ticket, come even just once to experience it. You can, you can go back to online. But come just once, come experience it. And if you don't know what to do after church, then scatter like Poland all around this place. Scatter like Poland all around this place. I beg you, scatter like Poland wherever you go. So the seed starts falling everywhere, everywhere, like everywhere. And a reaction starts to take place around us. If you don't know what's my favorite thing to do after church on Sunday, click next slide. I turn left at the car park and I drive behind the church. The top right-hand green is where the Sarah is. I turn left and I go away from the highway. I take another left and a right. In other words, I do a zigzag and I go into the part where all the makan places are. And if you drive on Jalan Welfare, my Lord, it's called Jalan Welfare. And the Lord brought us here to Jalan Welfare so that he can scatter us like Poland. All over Jalan Welfare and more and more. And if you go on Jalan Welfare, it looks like this. Next slide. And somewhere in this place is the best chicken rice in the known universe. And somewhere in this place is a very good Tai Chao in the evenings. And somewhere in this place is a single mother who cannot cope. And a father who is in debt. And somewhere in this place is a family that is gripped by spiritual oppression. And somewhere in this place, there is a seed smaller than a mustard seed, some Poland sitting somewhere here and here, that must fall at some point so that something small can grow. And we're going to take the rest of this year to unpack this little part. So I don't have to belabor this point. Let's take off the slide. Let's close our eyes. And I want to wind you back to the work God is doing in your heart. My friends, if you're impatient, if you have no love, if you have no peace, if you have no joy, if you have no comfort, if you have no, no salvation in your heart, if you are dry and brittle as bones, if that's who you are, if that's what you are, then you're not ready to go onto Jalan Welfare for the scattering of Poland yet. It's okay. It's okay. But by the way, God doesn't need you to be perfect before He can send you down Jalan Welfare and the many other Jalan Jalans around there. So I'm going to ask you, take this week and let God begin a small thing in you. 
You don't know where to start. I gave you a starting point. Just lay everything down before God. Your hurts, your pains, your confusion, prayers that were never answered. Start there. Lay it all before the Lord and grow faith. Lay it all before the Lord and grow trust. Lay it all before the Lord and let him be your hope because there is no better thing to hope on. He is our living hope. Father God, for all of us, that whatever little that we bring, whatever little that we bring before the Lord, Lord Jesus, add to it. Online, I hope you're raising your hands to be prayed for. I was just praying for the ones who are here. But for everybody who are just raising your hands here, I just want to speak over you and all of us. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you as He blesses His work of His kingdom. Not in a self-centered way, but may the Lord work in you, work in you. Whatever you bring, my friends, it's small. May the Lord work in you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His countenance toward you and give you shalom. And all of God's people, shout aloud, Amen. Amen, church.